We'll begin this metta session with um, a poem by uh, Naomi Shahib Nye. It's called Kindness. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment, like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and so carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore, only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. Beginning by extending kindness towards oneself. May I live in safety. May I have mental happiness. May I have physical happiness. May I be fully at ease. As wholehearted as possible.
shifting and extending loving kindness to the benefactor. May you live in safety. May you have mental happiness. May you have physical happiness. May you be fully at ease.
shifting from the benefactor to a good friend.
shifting from a good friend to a neutral person. Same neutral person as yesterday.
beginning to shift into the category of difficult person. Before moving into this category, I'd like to read you something. Chris Carrier recently went to visit his ailing elderly friend at a nursing home in North Miami Beach. He took along a pound of the friend's favorite fish treat, smoked amberjack, comforted the man and made sure he was warm and well taken care of. It was the last time that he saw his friend who died later that night. The friend, David McAllister, was a blind, frail, and lonely 77-year-old with no one to look after him. He had also recently confessed to abducting, stabbing, and shooting Mr. Carrier in the head and leaving him in the Everglades 22 years ago. The survival of Mr. Carrier, who was 10, stunned Miami in 1974. Last month, he shocked people again by forgiving and befriending the man who had confessed to the crime. Now Mr. Carrier has been waiting to learn about funeral arrangements as Mr. McAllister's body remains unclaimed at the hospital where he died on September 26th. The cause of death was not released. Mr. McAllister left no names of family members, and Mr. Carrier is about the only person who wants to pay respects. This provided closure for him, Mr. Carrier said. He wanted to say, I'm sorry, and I wanted to tell him, no harm done. Mr. Carrier was blinded in his left eye as a result of the shooting, but he said he did not feel that he had been permanently traumatized, adding that he bore no ill will toward the man who had kidnapped him and left him to die. It wasn't hard for me to show compassion given his circumstances, said Mr. Carrier. I moved on. This event did not haunt me all my life. The first time that Mr. Carrier visited Mr. McAllister at the home, he began to cry when he realized the young man before him was the boy whom he had hurt and abandoned. When he was asked what he did, Mr. Carrier said, he sort of gasped and said, I left him there and began to cry. He said he was sorry, and I told him I forgave him, and that from now on there would be nothing like anger or revenge between us, nothing except a new friendship. Mr. Carrier visited Mr. McAllister frequently over the next three weeks. I'm glad he was able to put the past behind him, Mr. Carrier said. I tried to let him know he had a friend. So just receiving and listening to this as some degree of inspiration, not as something to measure up to and find oneself falling short of. We all have our own difficult circumstances. But if it helps in terms of receptivity, inspiration, that this kind of responsiveness is possible, please using it for yourself. Loving kindness grows when we're in contact with someone that is difficult to love. When we say difficult person, classically, this person is actually called the enemy, which is quite blunt and perfect in its own way. Working with the difficult person, the enemy, is a way of working with the far enemy of loving kindness, which is resentment, ill will, anger. We practice loving kindness, extending loving kindness towards someone that has 
hurt us, someone whom we are upset with, angry with in some way. And in some sense, it's an impossible task that we are attempting. However, very, very gently stretching. This is the spiritual stretch in practice, a spiritual stretch. And as we practice very slowly, not automatically, not immediately, perhaps it takes a good long time, but gradually the impossible becomes more possible. It's said that friends show us what we can do, what is possible for us to do and become and be. Whereas difficult people, enemies, show us what we have to do, what we must do. Difficult people show us our edges. This is why the Dalai Lama said that one's enemy is one's best friend. It's because in having difficult people around us and working with these difficult people, we can see our limitations, our difficulties, our edges, our hurts, and we can very gently move into transmutation, transmuting these energies into something else. The difficult person shows us the places where we hold hurt, where we hold limitation, and it tests our ideals, our ways of thinking about ourselves, because our difficult people do not fulfill our desires in any which way. Reflecting at times is quite helpful. Looking at the fact that when we do have a difficult person, it takes a lot of time up. It's very time-consuming. And so on one level, we practice sending loving-kindness to the difficult person for the sake of inner freedom, for the sake of spaciousness within Sometimes we are afraid about re-entanglement. If we send loving-kindness to the difficult person, we'll bring them more into our lives, and this we don't want. Actually, we are psychically connected when we wish ill will to anyone. And so to free ourselves from this psychic connection, we send loving-kindness, remembering that metta doesn't have to do with like or dislike. It has to do with friendliness and openness. The Buddha said that anger is like a hot coal. It certainly may burn the other person, but it definitely burns us. The results physically, mentally, emotionally are quite devastating for ourselves. Sending loving-kindness metta to the difficult person is a way to care for one's heart. The Buddha said, hatred never overcomes hatred. He said this is an ancient and inexhaustible law. He said it's an ancient and inexhaustible law over 2,500 years ago. Ancient and inexhaustible even then. Peacefully coexisting with the unpleasant, recognizing that fear 
and anger, hurt, cloud the heart, cloud the mind, making wise choice. Very difficult, if not impossible. So, thinking, reflecting, choosing a difficult person for yourself. If you have a crowd of difficult people, just choose one. Uh, It doesn't have to be the most difficult person. If you have a classical enemy in your life, it doesn't necessarily have to be this person. If you're feeling a little on the tired side right now or a little spacey or this or that, you can choose a lesser enemy. If you're feeling quite steady and strong right now, go to it. Choose the worst of the worst. Just take that, that spiritual stretch, that risk. Of course, it is always possible to put oneself in this category if one is relating to oneself as one's own worst enemy. Put yourself in this category. Send loving kindness to yourself as a difficult person. Practicing very carefully, very gently, very much with compassion. Of course, metta means warmth and openness and friendliness. If this is impossible, tolerance is great. If even tolerance is not possible, simply not nurturing ill will is wonderful. Not deliberately wishing harm, not dwelling on another's faults. When anger, aversion, hurt feelings, fear arise, seem if it's possible to accept these feelings, not to judge oneself for the existence of these feelings. At the same time, not to dwell in the anger, not to justify the anger. Allowing, making room for whatever emotions and feelings are around recognizing that it's a process of purification, so it's not that any feeling should not be happening simply because we're practicing metta. It's as if our nose is pressed against the glass. We may be bound to experience strong feelings because we are deliberately inviting in someone that we wish weren't around. Please recognize that you are deliberately choosing to invite this person in. Often this person is around without our choice. So recognizing how empowering it is to actually decide to choose to find freedom through loving-kindness right now in relationship to this person. And so beginning... May you live in safety... May you have mental happiness. May you have physical happiness. May you be fully at ease.
If very strong fear or anger arise, don't try to push it out. Don't try to suppress it or deny its existence. See if you can make room for it within the field of loving-kindness. It may also be helpful to vary sending loving-kindness to this person and then sending loving-kindness to yourself, sending loving-kindness to this person, and then sending loving-kindness to yourself, going back and forth between the two. Over and over again, focusing on the phrases on this person. You don't have to have great belief or faith that this will help, that this will free oneself. But over and over again, taking the leap, risking, supporting oneself, when you find that you've gone off into stories, descriptions, thoughts about how the situation can be figured out or resolved, letting it go. Coming back to the phrases once again, we're doing something different than trying to figure out how things can be different. We're allowing things to gradually become different through the practice itself.
noticing any inner tension, physical tension, and allowing yourself to relax. Relaxing into the phrases in a steady way over and over again. And in this last minute of loving-kindness practice, opening and extending loving-kindness to all beings, including oneself, may we live in safety, may we have mental happiness, may we have physical happiness, may we be fully at ease. May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in freedom. May all beings live in love and in compassion.